When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know how to describe it other than like like a demon type of sound. But it's silhouetted, hulking. Every bit of five and a half feet wide, 13 to 14 foot tall, pitch black. The one thing that ran through my mind when I had this encounter was I don't have a big enough gun. Your host, two-time witness and field researcher for more than 40 years, William Jevnik. Welcome to Creek Devil. Hello everyone, welcome to Bigfoot, America's Creek Devil. Uh, we're going to hear a, an update with Forrest here in a moment, but Tom, do you want to uh, have a message to give everyone? Yeah, absolutely, I always do. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, and uh, you guys know what to do, but if you like the show, please let us know, because that helps us tremendously. So, how do you do that? Well, if you're watching us on YouTube, you just click the like and subscribe if you haven't subscribed already and share it share it with friends um also if you really want to take an extra step you can do that we have a link in the description it's only on youtube for patreon you just click on that and for as little as a dollar a month uh you can really help us out so that said um will don't we have an update from forest yeah forest i'll turn it over to you well um I went out about, uh, I didn't look at the clock, so I know that the time was between 7.30 and 8 to go let my cats out. <clears throat> and um, went out and unlocked the door out there. And you know why I've been locking the door, because uh, <sighs> I've been having little surprises about, uh, and I don't remember, did we even talk about that, uh, about my my doors to the cat house being <clears throat> open so um in less than 10 minutes after i had shut them so we are actually locking everything up now and um so anyway i took the key out to unlock the the uh the doors on the cat house and we've had horrible st storms last night <clears throat> we've just been having them on a daily basis here along with this horrible hot weather and uh after I'd let the cats out and was coming back around the corner, um, I looked down, uh, and it was almost even with where my water spigot was and uh, on the, coming out of the house. And Chuck had asked me, he said, how far away from the house was it? And I said, well, it's right on the path going up to my porch. And uh, I said, actually, both prints were, well, actually, there was three originally. Um, and... Uh, um, they were like a foot away from the, the base of the house. That's how close they are. And I probably need to explain, um, they use a lot, a lot of what we call granite gravel around here. And it's the, when they take the granite, we have a lot of, uh, of course, there's a lot of granite in this part of the country. And when they, uh, cut the granite up, they'll have all these, these sundry pieces 
you know, that uh, are left over and they <clears throat> run those through the crusher and they make this really nice granite gravel and they use it for foundations, uh, putting Hello? foundations in. Hi, Carol. Oh, for, hi, Carol. Forrest is giving us an update. Hi. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> and, um, so they use this granite gravel around uh, for platforms and such, and uh, that's what the mobile home is actually set, set on uh, a granite gravel platform. And <clears throat> so it doesn't make for the best of prints. Makes for it keeps the the away from Hello. the muddy muddy uh, sections away from the the trailer, but it's not uh, um, not the greatest for getting prints. And I'm walking alongside coming in the house, and I look, happen to look down. And, of course, I sent you guys the prints. And um, I went, oh, my gosh, there were three of them. One was the larger one, and then the two other ones that were very, very distinct were smaller, probably eight to nine inches. I mean, they were clear as a bell. And I thought, oh, my gosh. And, I mean, it's just like I told you guys, I actually looked, I was standing there and I actually looked up because this is, like I say, between 7.30 and 8 in the morning. It's very, very overcast from all these storms. And I actually stood up and looked around my um, backyard because that's how clear they were, how distinct those toe prints. You, you guys can see them. And I thought, oh, my Something came through here, and something came through here recently because those storms stopped. Oh, probably between four, four thirty, and five, somewhere in that vicinity. So something had to have been through up to my house, and in, in just that very short period of time between me uh, going out there and uh, you know, and when that happened. So that was rather disturbing, and. I waited for, Jessica hadn't gotten up yet, so she's got an iPhone, so I really wanted her to take the pictures because my phone just does not take as good of pictures as hers does. So when uh, when she got up, I thought she was going to follow me because I walked it, I came off the porch, then I w went around on the grass, not down the path there, and she didn't. She's walking down the pathway, and I said, oh, you got to see these prints, and I stopped. And she stopped, and I realized, oh, my God, you're in the middle of the path. She stepped on the first one. She's standing mm. on it. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're standing on it. Get up. And, of course, when she backed up, she had completely obliterated that one. Well, the second one is the one that uh, she is the one that's really, really distinct, and you all saw that. And then those were the small, those were the two small ones, smaller ones, smaller, probably eight to nine inches. And then the larger one was the third one, which was a little farther down the, the path. And um, that one is the one that uh, uh, Tom was able to kind of trace out a uh, uh, line on. So that was what I got to wake up to this morning. And then uh, Will did ask me if I had the alarm set. Well, no, I didn't last night, and I explained to you the reason why was because when we've had the alarm set and we've had these bad storms coming through here at night, there's been some nights we've had to actually turn it off because the, uh, I don't know, maybe it's the uh, 
the lightning that does it or the thunder or what, but it sets the alarm off. You know, Adam and, um, Adam asked me about that with the alarms, what I thought they were doing. And I said, well, it's very possible because they've been testing the boundaries with those alarms for a while now. Maybe with the alarms off, that's why they got so close to the house this time. Well, if they had tried the door, they would have noticed that. Now, I don't know. Um, Tom, you and I discussed this. Uh, what um, Just here, um, I don't have my journal in front of me. It's in the other room. But uh, uh, what was it, four days ago that I had actually gone outside and locked I had put the cats up and um, came back in the house and realized that I didn't, uh, I was in, I had already taken my shower and I was in my pajamas, to be honest with you. And I don't have pockets in my pajamas, obviously. And I <laughs> did not take my keys to the, to the, um, the cat house with me. <clears throat> and it has to be manually locked with a key. You can't just turn it and uh, set, uh, the it'll set the key i mean the lock because it won't you have to manually set set and lock it with a, a key well anyway i go out i turned around i had come in here and i had started i was going to start supper and i mean i might have been in the house maybe maybe 10 minutes maybe 10 minutes and went back out the door was wide open, and not only was the cat door wide open, we actually have a childproof gate in the uh, the door of that because uh, that has a cat door in the center of it. Y'all probably seen them, the, the childproof gates that people put up to prevent their children from straying <laughs> where they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And there's a cat door or a small dog door at the bottom of it. Well, I have one of those in my uh, in the the cat house because otherwise my dog will go in there and eat the cat food. So we put the the cat door up and uh, or the the childproof uh, door uh, gate up, and then it has a little uh, cat door at the bottom. That door, which I always shut behind me, I have to because. Uh, uh, well, actually, I don't have to because it, it can swing in or out. But uh, <clears throat> I had uh, the cat door at the bottom has to be pushed in and latched. And then, which it was, but the top door of the childproof gate was actually pushed inside. It was opened to the inside. And I thought, wait a minute, how did that happen? Well, Forrest, I'll like, ask comment on the footprints real quick, and then we're going to, I think we're going to um, bring Carol in as well. But the footprints, you know, you talk about it's kind of a, a hard, compacted, rocky, gravelly surface that you have there. And I just want to uh, say to the audience that that is significant if something is has enough weight to make an impression in that type of surface. i I've seen the same thing here in Oregon in an area that was very rocky, very gravelly. It was dirt, but it had a lot of rock in it, and it was very compacted. And and uh, Kurt and I had actually um, found a 17-inch footprint, actually another one in front of it. So <clears throat> that's very significant, and the gate 
has to be opened by hands. Um, oh, yeah. oh, so yeah. there's it, and the, the timing is not a problem with these things. They, they move that quickly and they're very intelligent. So but I want to um, I want to kind of bring Carol in because she's got something weird. And for us, we definitely need your input on this because this is if I understand correctly, uh, Carol, these are almost baboonish looking creatures. But we don't have baboons in in Missouri, do we? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we don't. <clears throat> but we this do now. <laughs> this that I saw, and I've seen one like this. I've seen different colors and, and so forth of, of the regular kind that I've seen all my life. But this, this took the cake. I mean, it scared me so bad. I felt like I swallowed a a lightning bolt. I, I I mean, it went it went all through me. I I stood there just unable to speak or move for a moment, and then I started to backing away. I thought, what's my best option? I started backing away, but I'll tell you how I saw this thing. We have been having a lot of uh, kills put in the backyard right i mean right behind the the swing where i like to sit in the garden and swing and this swing probably 15 or 20 feet from the back of the mobile home and on the near the south end of it and uh that is also about where the fence uh was that ran um east and west so we had a fence that delineated our area that we lived on that we came to know as our property even though we owned the whole thing used the back part of it <clears throat> we just mowed and kept this little buffer zone around the mobile home and it was right next to the road and so um Got to where we couldn't even sit in that swing because you'd have your back to the rest of the property and you'd have your face facing the door. And uh, it was convenient for us, but it got to be really uh, terrifying because we would come home at different times on the weekend and find uh, vultures circling our uh, home. And uh, for vultures sitting on the... um, handrails to the steps of the mobile home and just weird things like that. And what it was is these things were bringing their kill there and, you know, tearing it up right behind where we sat, probably another 10 to 15 feet back into the brush. And when I say it's fenced and cross-fenced, that is not any kind of exaggeration because the um, back, what we considered the pastures. Well, let me put it this way: I was trying to trying to dis- describe this to Tracy the other day. If you kind of if you kind of draw out on your say say you're going to draw kind of a map of this property, it is roughly the shape of a capital A. Okay, and then. About where the crossbar on your capital A goes, that would be right where I'm talking about where I saw this thing. Um, 
not not toward the front where we lived, which is the bottom of your capital A. And we never set foot. My mother never did set foot past the crossbar on the capital A, so to speak. I know that's probably more confusing than helpful. But the center of the property, in other words, that, that was uh, for horses and for the animals that people had kept previously. And we tried to keep it mowed down, and it began to be almost impossible. I, I planted um, fir trees on the northernmost half of that pasture. Just think of it as one big oblong pasture stretching north to south and then these people had put a fence running east and west right down the center of it to cut it in two parts so we referred to one as the north pasture and the one as the south pasture i don't know if that helps or not and then the gully that i speak about is further toward the top of the capital a and it's big enough um tracy had asked me how big the gully is and actually when when I say it's just a gully, it doesn't explain to you that it walking that gully, you drop down into an area where it is like the size of rooms in your house, a good size living room. And uh, then you kind of turn a corner in it where you can't even see what's coming up. Um, you turn a corner, which is kind of creepy, and then you, you drop down into a whole nother uh, area that's as big as, as big as a living room. And you could probably drop, you know, two or three trucks down in that gully and they might not fit perfectly because of the, you know, the, it's not, it's not perfectly straight. It's quite, it's got quite a curve and zigzag to it. But, um, when I saw this thing, it was probably, Okay, this was like 2017, in spring of 2017, I would say, because we had made our minds up that we, we had to get out and uh, to save ourselves. And we didn't want to sell it to any, anybody else because of the situation. We didn't, especially people with small children, it just absolutely turned me wrong side out the idea to sell it to people and not tell them and yet how do you tell people it's kind of like when the tree crew came and they said how come you didn't tell me how come you didn't share with us and I said would you believe me if I had and they said no no I wouldn't have I said I just thought you wouldn't run into one that day I mean it's not like they're tethered to the spot it's a small property and it's not like they're tethered to the spot so that day when I went back there to take pictures my whole goal was to get nice pictures of of the places that we loved on that property and uh, this was going to be my farewell adieu take some pictures leave the flowers leave whatever you gotta leave and vamos, I just wanted out, and so did mom. She was on the cusp of narrowing down which house she wanted to buy in town, and um, that was that was her decision. So I took her smartphone, and um, I had learned to take pictures with it, and I went out toward the back of the property. When I talk about the back, I'm talking about from the front, portion that we lived on that was mowed into the south pasture i wanted to get pictures of the wisteria because it 
well, you know how that turns out. You plant wisteria or something like that, and you want it to bloom, and you take care of it and carry water to it by the bucket. And then when it bloomed, it would bloomed on the it bloomed on the east side of the fence. You could see the tangle from the road, but you couldn't see the flowers, and it was just heavy laden with flowers and hummingbirds. We just we just loved that property so much. And uh, I told mom, I said, I'm gonna go back there and get a few pictures of the west west area for you. And she said, okay, be careful. And uh, the gate had been already, they had brutalized the gate and knocked it plumb off the hinges and trampled it into the ground. And I tried to get it up uh, out of the ground and dig. And I'd made several good attempts at getting it out of there. And, you know, other than just plain putting chains on it and having somebody hook it to their vehicle and pull it out of the ground, I couldn't get it out of the ground. It had been there a while, and so I just uh, stepped on it and stepped over. I went back in the pasture, and I faced north. And uh, I looked around, and I noticed that the property had grown. The young trees had grown up quite a bit in that center that, you know, where I used to have asparagus, now it had trees. And um, I turned back toward the street again, and I was taking pictures of the wisteria. Just beautiful. And uh, I kept feeling like, you know, I kept getting that crazy feeling like something was nearby. And uh, I started walking down further into the pasture because I had some plantings back there that were out of this world. And uh, I had never had a flowering almond get as as big as a car hood like that, and I really hated to leave it. So I was walking down there, took a picture of it, turned around, wondering if there was anything else left to take a picture of. What I had was pretty well done. I had a nectarine back there and apples and pears and I wouldn't even set foot back there. The, those those things totally destroyed my fruit trees. They went into fruit, and instead of picking the fruit, they tore every limb off of the trees and just left a stump. I mean, have you ever seen a broken umbrella with no fabric on it? That, that's kind of what the trees looked like when they got through with them. The first year they went into into fruiting, they just tore they just tore them up. As each tree came came into into ripeness, they just plain tore it up. And uh, gripe and growl and, and snarl at each other in the doing of it. You know, like, uh, no, it's mine, it's mine, kind of is what it sounded like. We listened to him at night until the trees were dead and that was done. And uh, looking around, uh, had myself distracted looking at, the, looking at nature. And then uh, I looked up and I saw something like, to this day, cannot. I cannot wrap my brain around. It looked like a Bigfoot from what I could see of it from the neck down. And I couldn't see the, the feet on it. Uh, it's just standing there in the fence row, the one that divided the two pastures, the fence that runs east and west. It's just standing in the fence row. And there I had looked up a moment before and it wasn't there. I looked away and I looked back up where it stood and it was stock still. Um, it had black hair. It was probably about, it was 
as big as I've ever seen one, probably nine, maybe a little past nine feet tall. The head on this thing looked like it wouldn't fit in a bushel basket. Uh, it didn't have ears sticking up. I couldn't see ears. Um, it didn't have like dog. It didn't have a dog shaped looking head. It had kind of the conical head, like a like a gorilla, uh, like like so many of them do. The ones I see have all had more or less a conical shaped head. This thing had the conical head, and the hair seemed to be longer. I don't know if that was, <laughs> I don't know or care if that was a winter coat or what, but it had longer hair, and the hair swept up from the forehead up over the top of its head. It, its hair laid long, and in this black hair was uh, either either gray or white hair that, oh my, it came up like um, between the eyes and up onto the forehead, kind of like a, uh, like you see on dogs and horses. But there again, I did not see ears standing up. I didn't see ears laid back on the, on the head, like where a placement where, you know, if someone said, Oh, well, you saw some kind of bear. <laughs> no, no, this was no bear. This had a forward-facing chest like a primate or a human being. You know, it had it had uh, a very, very muscular build. I mean, it looked like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger with more body mass than that. It was muscular, and it didn't have a bear-shaped um, cavity to the, you know, the shape to the breastbone and the chest. It just didn't, I mean, the ribs on a bear and a gorilla, they sit totally differently. I can, even I can tell that. This thing had real broad shoulders and had its arms down at its sides and was standing on the hind legs. And uh, it uh, was not happy to see me. I never saw such a in like malice, like I really like to kill you. Look out of its face. It had a overhanging brow, like uh, the other Bigfoot that I'd seen. But the big chief difference was, you know, in the, in the no neck appearance, the big, the big chunky heads with a big, big jawline sitting on a ape-like shaped body, much taller. The difference was the muzzle. It, usually, the Bigfoot I've seen that they turn, kind of turn themselves sideways to look like look like the one did on the Pomeranian. Look for our food table we had had eaten, and we had food table sitting out there, and the camp stove and the food was gone, but the table was there. It turned itself to look at the table. I saw on that one that it had a, a side view of outline like a person. It didn't really look, um, I mean, in no way it could have been a bear because a bear has a muzzle. And, uh, you know, anything I could think of has a muzzle. This this is what really shocked me about it was the red eyes and the, and the side view of the face. It had a heavy, a heavier jaw, yes, but it still had a flattened side view with a nose 
nose and lips, uh, you know, like, like a person would have in the lower part of the face. Well, this thing that I saw in the pasture that day, and it was daytime when I went out. It was broad daylight when I saw it. Uh, it had a face that, well, I, I looked recently, I looked up some pictures uh, my cousin sent me a picture of a gorilla that he took at the at the zoo recently. And uh, once you know, someone's at my door. Um, anyway, I saw... Uh, hey, Carol, when you come back, I got a question for you. Okay, hang on just a second. Sure. It's my, it's my nephew. It's my nephew. Um, hang on, I got to get the door unlocked. Sure. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good to see you. On on the phone right now. Want to run to the property? Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll have to wait. Do you have anything else you need to do? Okay. Do you want to wait a little bit? I don't know. Till I get through talking. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can I? Okay. Okay. That's that's fine. You need some water. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um. Carol, how far away, how close were you to this creature when you saw it? And it had, you could definitely discern, um, you know, uh, like an emotion in this creature. In the thing's face. It's where I'm standing right now in the house. When I look at the back door, I would judge that to be about 20 feet. And it was just a little bit further away than that. Yeah, it was just a little bit further away than that, say 20, it's pretty close. 20 to 25 feet. And this thing, the size of it, it was so enormous. And the expression on its face, it had dark eyes. I've seen, I've seen red eyes. I've seen gold eyes. I've seen brown eyes. This was dark, just really dark eyes. And, uh, I mean, they had a, a glisten to them and stuff, but I couldn't really make out the a color. In, you know, I couldn't make out any whites at all uh, on, on this. It had a muzzle that reminded me of a gorilla a lot because of the length of the nose to the lip, to the upper lip, and lack of lips. It looked like the gorilla a lot because the gorilla picture that I saw had a broad, had a more of a broad bite, and it had um, the nostrils were similar, yet there was a difference. I also looked up a picture of baboons, you know, several pictures of male baboons, and the snout on this was as as seriously toothed as a baboon but the bite was wider than the pictures of the baboon that i saw and pictures of the baboon that i saw the nostril holes were right together on the baboon their nose is at the end of the mouth like a kind of like a dog it the, the the nose doesn't look exactly like a dog but i mean the nostrils are close together on the end of the snout like a dog on the baboon this was not the nose the nose wasn't it didn't fit gorilla, and it didn't fit the baboon either. Uh, the nose actually kind of reminded me at first of a cow, and I know that's going to strike as really weird, 
But the reason it did is the width, the the breadth of the nose. The nose was pretty broad. The gorilla is broad, but it's not over. It's not hooded like our nose is hooded. This thing's nose was seriously hooded, and the nostrils kind of had a slant back away from the mouth, kind of like you see in the ruminants or in the in the cattle. Um, I don't know how to quite describe it, but if I were drawing it, I would draw it as uh, slanted slits almost for the nostrils. And this wasn't that it was slit like a cow. It's that it had the breadth of the, um, of the um, nose itself. You look at the center of the, the, the uh, spongy part of the nose. That was broad, and the mouth was broad. Now, the teeth, uh, it didn't open its mouth all the way, but it was standing there like it was chewing. It was making a motion like it was chewing something. And at the same time, it never blinked. It was just barely moving the mouth, and it didn't move its body, and it was standing right up against that fence, and the, the, the size of it, was um, put forth to me by the fact that I knew the height of the fence was meant to keep horses and cattle in. And this thing, the fence came down, you know, just below its groin. It it dwarfed the fence. The fence that would come up to my collarbone was down just below its groin. And there was brush in the fence line and it looked to me like it had pulled two of the saplings or so. Part It looked to me like it had parted that brush and was peering through that brush up at me so that, so that I could get a real good view. That was how the feeling was like. This is just my feeling. But, I mean, it, a lot of them that I've seen, they don't want to be seen. This thing was just like... Uh, what are you doing on my property? And I'm going to let you see me full body, my upper body. And it was like he was wanting to intimidate me. And it, boy, did it work. And uh, I didn't want to turn my back on it. I mean, I stood there, I almost dropped my camera. I had a strap for it. And I had a strap on my wrist. And I thought to myself, oh, my God. And I really thought I was going to just crumple there on the ground because uh, I've had different reactions. I've had reactions where I couldn't move out of fear, and then I've had other reactions where I took off running out of fear. And this was just this. I just didn't want to turn my back on it at all. But I managed to keep myself together enough to start backing toward the gate where I entered. And... um I had to look down at the ground because it was, you know, pretty, uh, pretty hilly. It was just fescue and, you know, pasture. So it's always been rough. And uh, I looked around to make sure where I was headed and uh, looked back and it wasn't there. But it very definitely had a very different look about it with the snout, the nose to me. The nose didn't quite look like anything I looked up. It did not quite look like a gorilla. It was broad like a gorilla. Gorilla got big nose holes. 
but they really don't have the hood on the nose like we do. You know, there's a separation there, but it's very minimal. And then the baboon didn't, it wasn't wide enough. Baboon, it wasn't it at all. But the the way that it connected to the face, the, the muzzle connected into the face, I mean, you didn't see, I did not see big cheeks, like apple cheeks on it with a, with a, um, a snout. It, it didn't have that kind of face. It had as big a head, every bit as big a head as anything I've ever seen uh, on these kind of creatures. And as I said, it had kind of, think, think kind of like the planet, the only thing I can describe it, think of the planet of the apes the way some of the characters had their hair laid in, where it was uh, neatly combed uh, up the forehead and back, kind of like that. This is how the hair was laying. The hair was longer. It had that white streak, whitish grayish or whatever it was, streak in it. I don't know if it was whitish um, from uh, age or if it always had a streak on its head. I have no idea. Okay, Carol, I'm going to jump in here. Um, You're confusing me a little bit. Uh, Are you saying that this, uh, uh, you know, no, there are no other uh, primates that have hooded noses other than than uh, humans, uh, the naked apes do. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, but uh, the placement of the nostrils on a baboon is just uh, pretty much the same as it would be on a, a gorilla or anything else. There, I mean, there's no really difference other than the fact that the baboon has a uh, a canine-like type muzzle. Um, right. Now, um, uh, but you're telling me that this thing had a head. Uh, am, am I understanding this like a, um, <clears throat> a standard gorilla with a sagittal crest, that type of uh, head it, type? It had, a, it had a crested head. And when I say okay. baboon, it had the length. It had the length okay. of a baboon because it had, it had more length. But it did not look like, it didn't look like a baboon or a gorilla. It looked like, kind of like some of both to me because it had the length of the snout that I'd never seen on a Bigfoot. That huh. was the length of it. And but then it had the, a sagittal crest because the baboons don't have any type of crested skull. In fact, they're, I, they're, I their skull, the skull is actually very rounded uh, and it uh, lies very low and behind the... Well, Forrest, they right. have a very... Uh, Forrest, you got to remember a, with, uh, with the Sasquatch, remember it's a different type of creature, so it might have, it might exhibit things that are combinations of other primates. Well, I mean, and we and we have talked about this before, but this is what she's talking about is a, an entire will is a an entirely different type of combination than what we've even heard before, unless maybe you've heard of something like this. This I is haven't. this so is the type. I'm just trying to determine. No, this is know. this is a type three creature, but there are three variants of that type. Okay, well, great. Now we have. Remember across No, remember across the continent there are 22 variants. So Well, no, I I I you know, of course I haven't seen all these and and it remains to be proven to me, but I mean, I'm not dis- discounting that the fact that there there very well may in fact be a a, a a thousand variations on one theme. I don't know. Uh you know, I'm just trying to get a a picture in my mind what uh you know, because I know what a, a baboon skull looks like, and it's, uh, you know, the, the the actual brain case actually lies very low behind the, um, uh, 
uh, supraorbital ridge that they have above their eye, and they can have a very uh, pronounced supraorbital ridge above their eye. And uh, you, especially when you get into your uh, um, the the mandrels are even more pronounced and, and even bigger. And I would suggest that rather than looking at a baboon strictly, look at a mandrel because they're uh, they're the largest uh, actually of the monkeys, and uh, they're a strictly a quadrupedal um, uh, land uh, animal. They used to be classified with the baboons, but they're now uh, the drills are all given a separate classification, and I think they're all still in the sarcopodidae uh, uh, classification. But uh, they are different from uh, regular primates in that, uh, uh, and the, they're different from baboons, and they exhibit a much larger, larger skull than your standard baboon does. So I would suggest that you look at that and see if maybe that might look a little more familiar to you. Now, they have the color, they're the ones that have the colorations on their face. Um, but uh, so obviously yours did not mm-hmm. have that type of uh, uh, coloration or anything from what I'm de- mm-hmm. determining. You did say that it was gray. Now, where what was the gray on it? Was it along the face or along the well, back or, or what? That's the weird thing. The grayish white was like a splash between the eyes going up the forehead a little ways. Um, Made me think of the way that some dogs and and some horses will have a splash of white. When they're aging? That's what it made me think of because it was like from where the snout began, up between the eyes and up on the forehead a little bit. Okay, well, now some of your... Some of your primates, uh, chimpanzees will, gorillas will too. Now your grill, you, you see silverbacks all the time with older, uh, the older males develop the, the silverback uh, as they develop. But sometimes they will exhibit graying around the face and chimpanzees will exhibit graying around the face. Um, I, I can't recall that I've ever seen that in baboons, but I'm not going to say that it doesn't exist oh, okay. because I have certainly mm-hmm. not have I'm not seeing every baboon that ever existed. So, so, so. What, so what Carol's doing now, she's not describing baboons. you got to remember, guys, what she's doing is what a lot of witnesses do. You utilize what you have in your uh, frame of reference. You're tr- she's trying to convey to all of us and the folks listening what it was she saw using comparisons of other things she's seen because this is unlike anything that we're all familiar with. I understand that fully, Will. What I am telling her, uh, what I'm trying to explain to her is that she might, I'm not saying that it's a baboon or uh, even a baboon type. I don't know. This is this is something that I have said before that uh, these uh, ones that they show that have the canine-like muzzles that may be, uh, may be in some type of order like the baboons. I'm just telling her to go out there and look at the drills and the mandrills, mm-hmm. and maybe mm-hmm. that might provide her something that might be, she that that might she can relate to because their actual their skulls and heads look a little bit different from the the baboons but uh i'm not saying it's a baboon but oh, uh, no. it, uh, yeah. it's obviously we, baboonish <laughs> we we know that i i tell you what the teeth the the mouthful of teeth makes me think baboon but other than other than that i'm i'm doing exactly what Will said there, I don't see anything that that really adds up to it. Um, my cousin went to the zoo lately, and he's a professional photographer. And 
Um, he sent me. I'll see you later. Okay. Uh, he sent me several photographs of things he had taken pictures of. He took pictures of everything he could find in the primate. Uh, I got a yardstick. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. I will. Thank you. Um, yeah. What I'm sorry about that. Um, what I was saying is, um, my nephew came to get the measurements of the hole in my ceiling, <laughs> so he can help me fix that. Um, what um, What I did was I looked through all the pictures that he uh, sent to me. And it was quite extensive. It was very interesting. I I spent quite a bit of time looking things up. I haven't seen anything that looked exactly like this. Features of some things. And, you know, I noticed that the forehead, even though it had that white on there, it didn't have, to be honest with you, um, when I first saw this thing, I thought I might have seen a dog man. What people call a dog man. <clears throat> but is the phone Carol? consistent still on? <laughs> I couldn't tell. Yeah. I couldn't tell hey, if I hey Carol. Mm-hmm. Carol, this is Chuck. And um, the descriptions and stuff that, that you were talking about are fascinating. Uh, but I, I want to ask you about, you know, you were really close to this thing when you, when you saw it. And I'm wondering, did you, were there any smells? Are any sounds coming from this thing at all during this well, time frame? There was already a horrible odor back there when I went back there because this is where they seem to be taking their their kills. Um, there would be, like I said, there'd be vultures around, and um, you know I'd find uh, deer legs and stuff like that in the yard, and a lot of bones. And it already smelled horrible. My mom asked me that when I saw it because when I came back into the mobile home, you know, she said, I've never seen you so pale. She said, what happened? And I said, oh, my God, Mom. And um, I sat down and I said, do not go out to the clothesline. Do not go out by yourself. Oh, my holy God. And I mean, it, I was shook up. I was shook up so bad seeing that thing that I didn't sleep for a couple of nights. And it was like a week before I would go outside. And uh, I told her, I said, uh, I'm going to have to get a hold of myself. I've got things to do and, you know, things to load in the car for you and all that. I just, I don't know. But uh, I was trying to my best to describe it to her. And he said, I said, you know, the Bigfoot things that we've been seeing. And she said, yes. And I said, oh, God, I said, they've they've ramped it up. I don't know what kind of mixture this is. But, you know, I didn't see when I saw that thing, I did not see or hear any of our usual suspects uh, in the yard. And I got a boy this is stretching it okay now i'm going to go into speculation this is pure purely my speculation i got the feeling that 
that thing came into their territory and took their kill. So you think you because, think this different variation came into the because you have clearly two different kinds yeah. of creatures there. Yes. And I didn't see or hear I didn't see or hear anything of my usual ones that I would see. So they they were either out I, of the area or they were keeping a low profile. Something like that. Something I'm absolutely convinced of it because this thing raised up like I said, at the at the fence, it's like I looked away, and the next thing I know, it wasn't there one moment, and I looked away, just looking around at, you know, the yard and down at the pond and whatever, and I looked up, and there it stood. I mean, that thing just literally rose up there one second, it wasn't there, and the next second, it was there. I didn't see it. I didn't see it um, coming up. I mean, I literally had no idea that anything was there one second and the next second is standing right smack in front of me. I mean, it was, it was blatantly facing me. Is, is there, is the grass pretty tall there? The, the stuff in the fence is grown up. Okay. Yeah. So it could have easily, it could have easily hidden. It used to be mine. Yeah. On the back side of that fence, there's quite a bit there to, for, for that thing to, you know, crawl through Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And it would, to me, to me, it looked like it had its its hands were down at its side, but it looked to me like it had bent the saplings, like it parted the saplings, and you know, on purpose mm-hmm. so I could see it. Mm-hmm. It's like it saw me and so, it thought, "I'll give her a scare." What's that, Chuck? Well, I got, I got a okay, I got, I got a question. You sure? Uh, is, it, is it common for two different variants of the species? to cohabitate with one another or is that something that does not necessarily happen they won't necessarily cohabitate they will go into each other's territory they won't go into the core areas typically but um and i've heard this you know we had james and tammy for people who uh you can go back at some of the shows I, we actually did a uh, we do a monday recap so i played not long ago uh, an interview with James and Tammy in Alabama, and they had two different variants on their property. So it does happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, can I ask Better you this? Yeah, sure. Do you think, Do you think? Um, have you heard at all, um, if these things interbreed, they're capable of interbreeding? Um, I'd have to ask Mr. Black. I'm sure it's possible, but typically if we go by, you know, the sighting reports like, James and Tammy, um, the two variants, once they learned each other were present, they stayed away from each other. They didn't want to be near each other. And those type three creatures are very aggressive. Okay. Well, I have another thing and this, this is speculation, but I'm going by, um, what I have seen through the years and, Usually there's a reason for the behavior, and it may not it may not be obvious to me immediately, but sometimes I do kind of I do kind of figure things out. I think halfway. The ones that lived there normally had a, a freshly grown daughter, and I wondered if maybe that one wasn't there seeking out a mate 
Forrest, what do you think? Oh, did we lose Forrest? Let me check. No, I'm oh, here. <laughs> I, I had my phone. I had my. Uh, I just walked in. I had to unmute my phone. Okay. Uh, what do I think about uh, a crossbreeding okay. in there? Yeah, I, I'll bounce this off of you. Okay, they had a a young a young uh, female, the one that drags the left heel. Yeah, and well. I've seen her there more since that time. Uh, I've seen her more there than the rest of them. And I just kind of wondered, you know, wondered about that thing being there, maybe, you know, sniffing out a mate. You know what? Anything's possible. I mean, not knowing uh, the genetics in uh, Bigfoot and how they, uh, and obviously there's variations within um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, within the uh, types and whether or not they can crossbreed. I mean, none of us know that and know the answer to that. Right. Uh, right. You don't, you don't, I mean, not, uh, going back to the baboon issue, you, you're not going to have a baboon crossing with a macaque or uh, a gorilla or a bab, uh, or a, a chimpanzee. So, right. and vice versa. So, uh, you know, I don't know. You, you don't have that crossing within mm-hmm. uh, those types of, uh, you know, classifications. Yeah. I mean, you know, <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, to be honest I, with you, I guess anything's possible. I did I did read uh, somewhere in my studying this that they had a um, an orangutan that had bred with another primate that she was housed with, and it was a second-rate establishment that, that housed everything kind of as however, <laughs> you know, it didn't really carefully separate their species. I don't think that it really produced a, a, young, a viable young. Now, and that may not be, you know, what I found, that may not be true. I don't really have, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak to that and say well, this, this, you know, I read it on the internet, so it's true. You know, you know how that goes. But but what I'm thinking is, after this time, I had to keep living there, and mom bought her house the following June of that year, and we moved her out. And my main thinking was to get her out of the way so that she wouldn't be targeted by these things, because these things had targeted her in the past. And, uh, you know, she she couldn't run to save her life. I mean, you couldn't outrun one of these things anyway, but I just didn't like it's like they were targeting her and and, and picking picking on her or something. I mean, they did me. They did me too. But for some reason, not as much as they did her. And I don't know if it was because, you know, she was only home on the weekends for, for years uh, and they weren't as used to her. Uh, you know, but it, it didn't take me long to realize that me being out there alone, that was a, not a, not a good thing at all. Uh, and I mean, I would go down and lay, lay down next to the pond, break, take myself a mat or something and work in my little garden area and then eat my lunch and, and lay down and relax next to the pond. And I'd sometimes fall asleep back there like that. If they had wanted me, they could have easily had me. And I'm not saying this to say, oh, they're all peace-loving and et cetera, because, we, you know, I also have 
stories of how aggressive they were and uh, chasing me back up from when I'd been down to the pond and chasing me back up uh, when I tried to flee. That's why I learned to, you know, not turn your back on them and don't run because they seemed to take delight in that, or at least I think it was the young one that did. Um, but what I'm saying, back to the back to this thing that I saw, what I'm saying is after my mom got her house and she moved out and I was out there doing things alone, um, I realized that the family unit family unit didn't seem to be around there the the uh one that i called junior uh and i realized there uh, i've had a someone point out to me there is another person with another story with another young male named junior okay fine in my day a lot of people called their son junior that's wasn't done on purpose and and i don't know who called their young Bigfoot Jr. first, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's just something that I could call him. He seemed to be getting into it with his father. From the sound of the voices and so forth, it seemed like the the main male there, the, the leader of the group, if you will, uh, it seemed to me like he was getting into it with the younger one and trying to run him away. And I wondered if that wasn't because uh, maybe the younger one was uh, trying to usurp his position, or it could have been possibly that, uh, you know, the uh, it could have been the younger one that was coming into town and visiting my mom's house and stirring up havoc and doing things there. Uh, looking in the windows and doing things like this. Uh, it could have been him. So I don't know if he got ran off, but I haven't seen him uh, to identify him since that was it. The last time I saw him, uh, uh, he was sitting up in a tree doing, I guess, sentry, looking down on the road, sitting up in a tree on my property close to the roadside there in an oak tree. That was the last time I saw that one. And I haven't seen him since. Now, however, I have seen the young female that drags her left heel. I have seen her. And I've heard her. And I have been with inch, within inches of her because she thinks it's a wonderful thing to come and drink out of my bird bath at night. Even after I put in the light pole right there outside, right outside of the bed, bathroom, bedroom, bathroom, on the south end of the trailer, she would come and she would drink out of that water, out of that bird bath, bend over and, and uh, use her hands and slurp it out of her hands and get water out of the bird bath with her, with her two hands and slurp it out of her hands. And she didn't seem to care that I was, you know, there. I don't know if, you know, I wasn't I was trying to be really, really super quiet because I kept thinking, you know, if this thing wanted to, you know, it put in its... Uh, hand through my bathroom windows, the least of my worries. But um, I just kind of wondered because after the young male left, and this, this all came down after this toothy thing I described to you, this snouted thing was there. Okay, after that, the, the young one, the young male left. As far as I know, I haven't seen him. 
I, I was hearing him. It seemed like it was a nightly thing where it sounded like two males going at it. I don't know if that's, you know, and we don't know. But, I mean, it seemed to me like the male was trying to run his son away. And then um, after that calmed down, I mean, that, took, that, went, on for, that went on for weeks. Um, after that, like, like um, that, I would say it's like September. Because everything was dried out. We had had a very dry uh, year, record dry. And I could hear the young female, you know, yeah, sounds like I'm certifiable. I could hear the young female uh, in the woods on my property um, probably at least like a trailer length away. Okay, my mobile home was 80 feet, so she was at least 80, 80 to 100 feet away from me. But boy, it sounded really, really close. Um, and she would uh, was making mournful sounds. She was close to the road, and I never could. I couldn't. You know, it was dark. I couldn't spot her. My mom had dropped me off, and she told me that she felt bad about dropping me off there. And I, it was a, a pretty evening, so I just decided to sit on the top step you know and enjoy the evening and she when mom got out of sight she began to roar and it was the most human-like she would make sounds like she was weeping uh, like a like a, a, a woman it sounded like a young woman weeping and then it would go into a low uh, roar and then it would sound like an African lion, and it would be extremely loud. And then she would go off into another kind of, of uh, moaning. It, it was moaning, and she would uh, sound like she was weeping and moaning, and then go back into an African roar. She gave me like three or four good African lion-sounding roars, which I got up on my feet and got a hold of the door and, and got inside of the door with the screen there. I could listen to her. And uh, it, it sounded so human at times. Uh, she would, uh, well, uh, this isn't real good, but I'll, I'll give you an idea. It's just kind of like, uh, oh, 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 She'd go into that loud African lion roar, and then she would go back down to sounded like she was, <laughs> and then go into another roar. And um, I thought to myself, I don't need to have this thing that close to the house. And so I decided to say something, and I said, uh, what are you doing, or something like that, just to see if she could hear me from that distance, and she immediately stopped. Well, I don't know what that was about, but after that, I know when the my, after my mother died in 2020, then we had this um, cutting crew come out to cut, you know, uh, trees and to clear it out more so that it would be less hospitable for them to come around the home. We lost a big tree in the front yard, so that wasn't there anymore either. We lost another tree around toward the back. 
So, and then they took out the young saplings, so it opened it up a lot. This was one thing that I had called the program. I said, that's why I called Creek Devil in the first place is because I wanted some ideas. I said, look, I've done everything I know to do, and I need to know as much as I can. That's when I put in the pole light, and I put in the, I had the men come out. And, it, you know, I, I asked them when the crew came out, I asked them how many people they would send, and they said, oh, we can have up to 10 guys with us. And I thought, hot dog, that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear about one guy coming and, you know, trying to do this all day long. And, you know, I want to hear that there's going to be several people here. And they they saw one. Now, I don't know which one they saw, but the one that had been hanging around the most was the female. But it was almost like, to my mind, it was like she could not leave. She was like she wasn't any good trying to travel long distances or something she was still dragging her foot and it made me think that they had got they had gone somewhere and they had left her behind and that's now that's supposition but all i can do is report what i see and hear and then you know in my own mind i'm trying to make sense out of it because it's like the toothy thing came and then they were gone and then the next thing I know, she was there. See, and here's another thing too. She grew up. She grew up on our trash dumpster. She she literally grew up getting food from our trash dumpster. And I had that take the big dumpster. I had that taken out. And there weren't weren't two people there to eat anymore. And my mom wasn't cleaning for the church anymore. So having all that food trash and stuff came to a stop. But her tracks would come up and go to the dumpster, and then her tracks would... I've tracked her many times through the yard where she'd uh, come in, step over a fence at the back, and come in across the area that was uh, mowed close, like in snow, uh, go immediately and hide behind the shed, then go up and hide behind the truck, and then come out from behind there because then she's in a wide open. I mean, there's a road there and everything. She come into the wide open, go up directly, straight beeline for the dumpster, and then have to go back and go back over the fence somewhere. And then, you know, there wasn't no tracking it beyond there. But this is, this is, you know, this is crazy. I've never told anybody this, but this is, this is what I've seen. This is how it looks. It looks like. Looks like the toothy thing came, the one with the muzzle. Looks like he came. He commandeered what they had going on there because they were taking calves and, and deer, and, you know, they had, had it good. They were surrounded by corn a certain time of the year. They had my dumpster. Uh, there was a, used to be other people that lived there that had a lot of uh, food waste and farm waste and stuff, and they're gone. But, um, you know, they go up, go up a little further and grab them, grab them a piglet or two. Um, they, they seem to have a pretty good situation. Like I was telling Will, there's a, a big lake right there. And I mean, we lived there a while before we even knew that lake existed because it's, uh, it's in a, uh, a, a valley and it's heavily treed all the way around it. Most people would never know it's there, you know, but I could see them going there and, you know, having a, a pretty good having a pretty good life there. Because very few people know about it. 
I've only known of one person that told me that he had permission to go in there and fish it. So, well, I'm going to try to draw this thing, and uh, I've I've tried before, and I've not been satisfied with it. I'm I'm more of a sculptor, and I like sculpture because I can get more shape. I can really get the shape down of what I want to do. I do do some pencil rendering, but most of it was still life, and you know I do a. I sculpted. I've sculpted people's portraits before, so I can get pretty good on it, doing the sculpture of it. But um, I guess I'll. I got myself some uh, water a watercolor pad here, and I'm going to try to uh, see what I can do. I've got so far on the on the one picture, the one that I saw yawning by the driveway, standing in the brush before we had it cut out. Um, I've been working on that one i'm still working on that and then basically i just got bored doing the leaves um <laughs> because <laughs> i wanted to do an overlay with leaves hey, because that's how i saw hey carol I, i'm i'm going to put you in contact mm-hmm. with a uh, a good friend of ours who's done some artwork for us he's a he's a professional artist in canada and uh mm-hmm. you know the two of you might be able to work together and and come up with a really accurate depiction of what you've seen there okay Okay, I would appreciate that. Yeah, his name his um, name is Justin. He'll he'll more than likely call you. Okay, all right. I um, appreciate you all talking to me about it. Uh, this, you know, I just just when I think I've been scared that the, you know uh, this is the worst time. This is as bad as I've ever been scared, and I've never been scared this bad. I always seem to get it topped, and I'm I'm looking forward to a life where I don't have that anymore and I, I know uh, forest can relate she's got the same thing going on in her property yes she found tracks this morning in fact yes uh i got in on the tail end of that oh, okay and, and heard some of that and i you know that's kind of like with my property i've had i've had the few people i've re- related things to i've had them say well do you see tracks but then when i tell them yes i've seen tracks then they're just like, well, it's probably a bear. I don't know why everyone falls back on this bear thing. I mean, if you had these things side by side, you could tell in a heartbeat. Anybody could tell oh, in a yeah. heartbeat. It's really or easy to tell. The, the, uh, the, a bear does not have a, a chest anatomy like a human being. It just doesn't. It's, you know, well, you know Carol, what I do is when they do that, I go, oh, it was a bear. Great. Well, listen, I was here. My car was there. Now, where were you when you... S- oh, you weren't there. Oh, so you didn't see a thing. Oh, well, you need to shut your pie hole then. Okay? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> oh, my. Well, you know, um, these things, for a long time, we saw these things. And we didn't. We did not know what they were. You know, and and I'm convinced that a lot of the stories from my family, because I've got a couple of stories from my grandmother who's deceased, uh, where you know they uh, ended up having to go to a, a country dance because her uh, brother-in-law uh, could play all kinds of instruments, stringed instruments, could play anything, and uh, 
she wanted to go to the dance and she was old enough to be allowed to go to the dance, but she couldn't find anybody that was going her direction. And when she found out her brother-in-law was going to this, uh, going to go there to play for this dance, and it was a long way, it was down South Missouri. And she just kept at him until she finally got permission and she borrowed her sister's dress and away she went. She was going to go this dance no matter what it took to get there. Well, she ended up riding on a mule with her brother-in-law uh, in front. So she was sitting on there with it, you know, getting the uh, mule hairs in her in her nice clothes and and uh, they had quite a they had quite an ordeal because something they you know they got there they got there all right, but they wished that they would have stayed the night. Someone told them you know they played music up way up into the night for this wedding, and. Uh, you know, neither one of them was silly things. They didn't want to leave, and they kept coming up with more songs for him to play. And he didn't know, he's young and silly, and he didn't know when to quit. He's probably only about 18 himself. And the two of them had to ride back in the dark, and something got after them. It uh, happened down around Ava, Ava, Missouri. And, uh, oh, no, no great big mountains, but lots of hoops and hollers and, uh, and rocky. And something bothered them all the way back home. And, and at the time, when she tell that story, all the old people would say, it's a painter, um, you know, panther. Oh, it's a painter. It's a painter. And she'd say, no, this this screamed. Oh, yeah, it's a painter. It's a painter. That's all it is. Because, see, there weren't any bears in Missouri to speak of at the time because they'd shot a lot of them out. The settlers made good so, use of them. So, the again, I go back to... Oh, as a painter. Okay, so when you heard it, oh, oh, you never, oh, you didn't hear it. Okay, so once again, you need to shut your trap. I'm just, just saying, because <laughs> yeah. I, I run into this a lot, and I'm just like, oh, okay, well, I was, I was here, and my buddy was over there when we, oh, you weren't there. Okay, so you have nothing to say. Hey, listen, I think we're running out of time, so I'm going to do a kind of a quick roundtable and get, uh, comments from everybody and um, so I'm going to start with Chuck Chuck any final thoughts on today's show uh, always very interesting with some of the, the things that Carol says and, and and I appreciate you coming on the show and, and, and giving us more information and stuff and uh, always always good to hear from you thank you I agree I agree Forrest any uh any thoughts or comments as we wrap it up? No, I just uh, totally agree with Chuck. It's always good to hear from you, Carol, and you're welcome to call me anytime. You know that. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I thought it was very interesting, and uh, I'd like to. I would like to see you, even if you give me a, 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 you know, whatever you could sketch up, just an idea what uh, uh, you know this thing appeared to be. I would mm-hmm. love to have a better idea mm-hmm. well okay. and I'm, I'm going to jump in real quick because for us now i haven't seen your artwork but i understand you've done some uh some artwork in the past of um skeleton structures or something like that mm-hmm. yeah we I did, yeah we I used to have to, are, and are uh-huh. you talking to me or are you talking to carol <laughs> no I, oh i'm sorry i was talking to talking to you forrest um, Go ahead. Actually, yeah. When uh, when we were, uh, I had to. I've always uh, drawn and sketched, and uh, of course, when in osteology classes, we had to uh, 
draw bones and such as that. So, um, uh, well, we're going to have I to get, did, I did a lot of that then. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we would love to see some of that artwork at some point. All right. And I'll comment, Carol, thank you for joining us. I really, uh, just like everybody else, I really enjoy, uh, hearing the encounters that you have mm-hmm. and, um, it's uh, it's fascinating and scary at the same time. And then I'm going to hand this off to Will, and we will do a wrap. Carol, thank you so much. We really appreciate it whenever you come on with us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I just I just hope it helps people understand these things a little bit better, and I, I hope they understand that they really are out there. You know, even if your mind can't wrap around it and, and you want to, you know, hang on to, no, we're safe. I've always been in the woods, so we're safe, perfectly safe. Just be sure that you're not out there uh, alone and unarmed. Because, as I said, these things didn't get me, but I had times when they let me know they were furious with me, you know, trying to get in the door and stuff like that. And to know that something could get in the door if it really wanted to, it, you got to... <sighs> You gotta realize the the intimidation factor. Do you know? Think twice before you put your little ones out in sleeping bags in the yard. If you, you know, especially if you live rural, think twice. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, very well said, Carol. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil. If you or anyone you know has had an encounter with these creatures, please contact us at williamjevning at yahoo.com. That's William, J-E-V-N-I-N-G, at yahoo.com. All communication is confidential. Join us for another program next week. And until then, keep your eyes open out there.